You're listening to the Stay Sore Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the Stay Sore Podcast. I'm your host, Bo Skitsko, and today I have the pleasure of talking to Professor Christine Phillips, who has a lot of knowledge in this next topic. So before I introduce her, I want you to know what you're going to get out of this episode. We're going to talk about what makes a good trainer and where to find a good trainer. So Christine, thank you so much for being here. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, So Christine is a professor in college. She teaches young students to become personal trainers or just in general being in the physical education and health education field as well as Christine has a lifelong journey of being fit herself, teaching others to be fit, being an instructor, taking classes like fitness classes, taking personal trainer, giving personal training and so on. So I think you're the perfect person to talk about this topic. Thank you. So let's let's begin with the simplest thing, the thing that we want to talk about. What makes a good trainer? Yeah, so a really good trainer is somebody who has a really good blend of knowledge, right? Expertise and experience and then finesse. Right? I think there's a lot of finesse that goes into personal training um, because they need to learn how to work with the individual, right? Mm-hmm. And so everybody can have training from ACE, right? But how they apply that training or how they apply that knowledge is very different and individual. And mm-hmm. so they take what they learned and they apply it to each individual person that they work with. Okay, so uh, you really quickly, you said ACE, that's American Council on Exercise, one of the many companies that certify personal trainers. Right. Okay, so let's start with the probably most controversial topic, which is, should a personal trainer look the part? Should he be fit and shape? Does it even matter? Well, he or she. He or she, <laughs> yes. He or she, yeah. They, um, it's really important that they walk the talk. Education is important, again, like I mentioned, um, but I think they need to have a passion for it. I think think it's important to know why they're here and why they're doing what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Are you here to just count reps and make some money because you think this is easy, or is this a passion and something that you want to really help people to better their lives with, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, it's a mix of, of the two as far as education and experience, for sure, and then you know, their application of knowledge. So we, we, mentioned, we mentioned looks or looking the part or being fit and shape. How about health? Should a personal trainer be more healthy, just look the part without being healthy? Is there a difference? Yeah, there's a big difference. You can look fantastic on the outside, but inside you've got high cholesterol, high stress, your diet is horrible, you have an eating disorder. Like there's, you know, there's a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's a, that, People that are in this industry, right? We all look and like, well, if you don't look like, you know, you're ready to walk on stage, well, you must not know what you're talking about or, you know, if you're not doing that yourself. And I think there's a balance between being fit and healthy and then looking like, again, the people that you see in magazines and all that. And even then, you look through magazines and, you know, figure competitions, whatever, they're tanned, they're airbrushed, they're... (laughs) You know, they don't even look good enough for themselves to be in those magazines. I understand. So, so uh, it, health first, looks kind of second. For sure, I think I think health is just an important piece to it. And you know, how how fit does your trainer need to be to get you to meet your goals? What are your goals? And most people don't want to be figure competitors, and you know, just want to live single, healthy, single digit life. right body compositions and things like that. So. I understand how. Uh, how important or what is more important uh, in a trainer 
the education or the practical application, the ability to practically apply it to people, street knowledge or, or classical education? What, what's more important? Yeah, so here's, here's my take on it. And, and I've been in this, in this business for a really long time. I've seen some really great trainers. I've seen some really awful trainers. Mm -hmm. and the same goes with college professors and people that are supposedly teaching you, right, what you're supposed to know. So what's important is that you have an understanding of the body and how it works. You need to know anatomy physiology. You need to know how the systems function together, how our hormones work with our muscles and our mood and you know all of it. You need to have a good understanding of that. But if you can't relate that to your person and get them and to understand what their goals are and to get them to meet their goals, then it doesn't matter, right? Like it's you could have you can have all of these, I call it a pedigree, all of these initials behind your name, but if you can't apply that knowledge and help the person and make it approachable and, and consumable for them mm -hmm. to figure it out and to do it on their own as well, it doesn't really matter. So it's a really big mix of the two. Um, street smarts, you know, what we are studying in the, you know, in the field now and research, people have been noticing in the field. And so there's this anecdotal, like I'm noticing my, my, my experience working with clients who have these situations, these conditions, right? Um, the experience of working with those people builds your knowledge base. Mm -hmm. So while you can learn about a corrective exercise, right, and you can get certified as a corrective exercise specialist, until you start working with these individuals and, and realize that, oh, when I apply this principle, here's what has been happening, here's what I'm noticing, right? You, so you need both. You really need both. Uh, I'm gonna, I gonna share a little bit of my own story. Uh, I have been in the health and fitness industry for a little over 10 years now. And a client uh, asked me, how long does it take you to create my workout? Just the other week, he asked me, and I, I thought about it, I don't know, maybe like three, four minutes, tops, maybe less. And he was surprised, like, oh, like you must not put a lot of thought into this. You don't treat me right, sort of. That was kind of the underlying tone. And I told him, well, 10, 12 years ago when I first started, it took me about 20, 30 minutes to get ready for a 20, 30 minute session. I was writing every single thing down, trying to figure it out. Over time, you built like the street smarts. You built so much, so much uh, experience that you kind of, I, I see a person walk in and I already know, okay, leaning a little to the side, the hips a little twisted, the chest is hidden, the, 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 uh, the chin is protracted forward. These, these are the things I need to do. So education is a lot, but with experience, you actually know how to apply the education. Absolutely, and that, you, you said it really well. And all of those things you're looking for is what, what trainers learn how to do, right? But are they actually doing it? Are they paying attention to their client when they walk in their door? Are they, have they you know, checked out of their last session or whatever is going on in their personal lives? And are they focused on that client in that moment in time, knowing their history, right? And, and then applying their history and what you know about them and what you know about training and like, okay, yeah, it's very easy then to see, well, this is what I need to work on, right? And then you check in with them, right? So a really good client or trainer is going to check in with their client and say, you know, how's it going? How, is it, how do you feel from our last session to this session? What's going on? And people that have worked with, you know, people for a long time in this, in this you know, industry, you do pick up on their signs, on their body cues, on their, you know, their nonverbal communication because they're talking to you all the time nonverbally. So that's a really important thing that uh, I think we talk about in training. And when we train trainers, we, we talk about that. But how do you, you know, how do you apply it? What, is it? what does it really look like? And again, are they 
checked out of their other things and what they think they might they want to be doing that day. And, and good trainers, you know, they know what they're going to do with their client that day. They have an idea, but again, the really good trainers have to be able to throw that whole plan out the window because they walk in and they have something completely different that they're dealing with. Oh, I tweaked my ankle and you were going to do this great lower body workout and like, well, can't do that. All right, switch. So yeah, being able to flip in three minutes is fantastic, right? You've got to be able to improvise on the fly to change. And by improvise, it has to be somewhat of a educational improvise. Like Absolutely. you have to have a reason for the things you do. Method to the madness. Absolutely. So you mentioned something I think is very important. You mentioned checking out from your previous session or from your personal life. All my clients always are, at least they make it look like they're always surprised that I'm always fantastic and always upbeat. <laughs> it's not always the case, but that's part of the job. You are there to motivate them. So you have to take their burdens from their previous, whatever happened during the day, week or month, take that on yourself and give them that upbeat energy. And so that brings me to the next question. How important is personality and clickability between people. Oh, for sure. I think that's a really big um, piece to it. You want to be with a trainer who you connect with and you can relate to and, and you know, they're, they, you have to establish rapport, right? You know, some of those things that, that you want to avoid in trainers are the ones that always talk about themselves and they, they don't give you any kind of assessment. They aren't checking you with you. It's all about them and their latest, greatest program. And here's what I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, you know, and they're not focused on the client. It's all about them. So, um, so personality is a big piece to it for sure. In, in, in classical education, like in college, when you study for an exercise science degree, how much of that is being taught as, as far as personality and personal ability to, to connect with people? Yeah, so I can share that where I teach at Cuyahoga Community College, it's a big part of it. Um, I talk a lot about um, about rapport and interaction and that and establishing like that that's the big foundation of your relationship your working relationship um, for institutions of you know four-year colleges where they focus a bit more on the research there's definitely a, a bigger emphasis on the science piece to it mm -hmm. but the cool part is is that personality and interaction and rapport there is a science to that as well and it comes down to you know, the, the, the non-person, the, the non-verbal um, communication as well as our verbal communication. You know, using the client's name, having their, you know, establishing that rapport of making eye contact, mm -hmm. being authentic, using your natural voice. Clients are gonna know if you're, if you're not being true to yourself. You know, you've got a fun personality. You like to make kind of, you know, fun jokes and that's, you know, that's you and that's who you are and you bring that in, and that's who you are in your sessions, right? So, yeah, it's really important. So um, I, I think it's important to mention that when a client and a trainer don't match, it doesn't mean one or the other is bad personally or even professionally. It just means it didn't click and it's totally fine to say, hey, this didn't work. Let's, let's find something that works with, some, with another person. Absolutely. And in my personal experience, it always feels bad, but once in a blue moon, every 99 client might not be the best match. There's nothing wrong with that. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. No one's going to lie. I mean, it, and it's just that, right, you just, for whatever reason, aren't clicking. And it's no fault to, to the client or the trainer, for sure. And it's okay to, and it's, you know, it's okay to, to, to step away or to, you know, say, you know, this isn't, it's, I don't think that, you know, I'm going to be helping you able to meet your goals. And, you know, I've got a couple other trainers that I know that you might work better with. And, but that's also too, you know, part of that is, 
you know, some clients have, they prefer training certain people too. They have a niche, right? So people like to train with older people or younger people, whatever. So I think it's important that, that, that trainers realize their preferences mm -hmm. of people that they like to work with as well and to acknowledge that. And again, there's nothing wrong with that either, right? If working with, you know, older population and, and that they can do their activities of daily living better and that lights you up, work with them, right? Mm -hmm. Don't try to work with athletes who are, you know, phenomenal and they're already at this high level and, you know, they just need this little bit of tweaking to get the even more edge to, mm -hmm. you know, shave off those seconds, right? Um, so I think it's really important that, that trainers don't feel badly either and that they honor, you know, where they're at and what they, who they like to work with. I think it's very important. Uh, there's a lot of people doing, like, kids and students doing practicum with me, trying to be trainers, and I try to get through to them that it's okay. It doesn't have to always work, and it might be better for you and the client if it doesn't. Right. So we talked a lot about what makes a good trainer. What, what are some red flags? What, like, if you are a person looking for a trainer, already having a trainer, and it somehow didn't seem to match, what are some red flags you should look forward to? Yeah, so again, uh, trainers that aren't listening to what you want, mm -hmm. right? They're not asking you questions. They haven't asked you how you felt from the last session. Um, trainers that are, again, trying to always upsell you more sessions or do you have any other, you know, know anybody who wants to, who, who wants training? You know, they, like it seems like it's always about them and they're, they're just always trying to get more out of you. Um, a cookie cutter, well, this is how I always start my clients. You know, all my clients get the same basic program. Like, no, if that's your assessment, a basic program, then you're doing it wrong, right? Mm -hmm. um, so those are really important ones. Are, are, unless, uh, and, and also telling you what to eat, unless the trainer is a registered dietitian in the state of Ohio, they cannot tell you what to eat. Now, they can talk about nutrition. They can talk about what are you eating. Are you getting fruits and vegetables? Do you have variety in your diet? You know, why are you eating these foods? Or why are you avoiding those foods? And you can have conversations, but you certainly can't say, here's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can't you prescribe a meal plan. Cannot, nope. Uh, so you mentioned the state of Ohio. Um, in most states, personal trainer, like any person can call themselves a personal trainer. There's, right. there's no, no kind of like medical background required or any basic knowledge required. You can be just a student knowing how to do some bicep curls and you call yourself <laughs> a personal trainer. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's really, really frustrating. There is no regulations on trainers. And yeah, you can call yourself a trainer. You don't even have to be certified. And that's so scary. So scary. So uh, that's why uh, to, to the listeners, if you listen on a podcast platform or to the viewers on YouTube, please ask a trainer if, if he's certified, if maybe he was certified, maybe he went through some program and just didn't renew, but what kind of base knowledge? And if not base knowledge, at least what kind of experience does the person have? Because people usually assume automatically, if he calls himself a personal trainer, he knows everything. Right. Uh, maybe you just know part of it. Maybe you just know certain, like you said, certain niche. How do you say that right? Niche yeah, or niche. niche? I say niche. Niche, <laughs> niche or niche. So maybe he trains only bodybuilders. Maybe he trains only older people. But ask the trainer what, what, what the background is. And again, it doesn't have to be always like this PhD of exercise science. Right. But there has to be some sort of like confidence for you that I can trust this person. Yeah, I always tell people ask, you know, what do you look for in a trainer? Ask them, you know, are they certified? How long have you been certified? How long have you been training? You know, why did you go into this field? 
you know, do you have insurance? You know, what are your, what's your policy on, on training and what's your, you know, your philosophy? What, what do you enjoy doing? Mm -hmm. You know, philosophy is a big one. On my website, I decided to write down the things that I believe in as far as training philosophy. And uh, a lot of people skip that. They think all the trainers do the same thing. And no, there's different paths to, to achieving your goal. It just depends on which path is more connected, connecting with you and your personality as right. well. Right. Um, so those were some of the red flags and stuff, but is there a difference between male trainers and female trainers? Well, other than the obvious, right? Uh -huh. Really? No. I mean, male, male trainers and female trainers both can have the exact same knowledge, experience and all of that. What I think is important is to be aware of your own personal bias or maybe needs as the client, right? Um, Sometimes I've talked with trainers and the, the male trainers prefer working with female clients a lot of times because there's no ego, there's no competition. Um, sometimes guys training guys can feel like there's this, you know, who's stronger and, and whatever knows more. Um, and then on the same, you know, token, you know, women working with women might feel a little bit of some, maybe some jealousy or competition with, you know, their, with their figures. Um, that said, I think what's important is who do you feel that you can relate to the most? You know, sometimes females working with male trainers might feel a little intimidated and just the proximity and the whole, you know, personal space when it, because it's a, a very, can be a very hands-on, touchy-feely um, thing, which leads me to another red flag. If you've got a trainer that's touchy-feely, gets too close, right? Those are absolutely red flags. Mm -hmm. Somebody that is um, if you back away, they keep moving forward. They're not respectful of your personal space. Mm -hmm. um, and people have, you know, we've, we've got our, um, our boundaries and our personal um, stories that we come to any interaction. So I think that's really important that somebody isn't respecting boundaries, whatever those boundaries are, um, you need to hightail it out of there. I understand. There's, there's a lot of um, little, little cues that you don't pick up consciously, but you pick up unconsciously that make you like or dislike your session, your trainer, the gym itself. Uh, there's a lot of like, when you work out, let's just be honest, things are moving. Is the trainer standing right in front of you when you're in a plank position, for example, or to decide to make you feel a little more comf comfortable? If you're on the floor doing apps and the trainer's standing tall over you, right. it's intimidating. I usually like to kneel down, to squat down, be kind of eye level, right. and not be above someone. All these little details, and I taught that to other trainers in the past before, even you brought a class in here and talked to them. Uh, it, all these little things you pick up not understanding why you either like or don't like, just the, the aura, the energy. Right. Yeah. And that's a really important thing. I, I, I tell my trainers, I'm like, if you do this, I'm going to come, I'm going to come and haunt you. Like, yeah, there's just some really big no-nos that you, that you don't do in this field. And again, because of it being a very hands-on or can be a very hands-on, I'm a very tactile, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I give corrections and cueing, you know, kinesthetic, yes. um, cueing. And so, um, you know, asking permission before you touch somebody, you know, how, even how you talk, you know, using the words just, and, and again, the, just the whole aura and the demeanor is this, does it feel like my client, my trainer is here to help me and get better, or are they here to show off? And then that, you know, when you leave that session, do you feel like, man, that was great. And they were there for me and this is awesome. Or do you feel like, you know, they said some things and man, I felt a little weird and, you know, right. You've got to trust your gut, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. At the end of the session. And again, sometimes it doesn't have to be good or bad. It's just not your thing. For sure. Okay. For sure. Um, is there a difference between 
as far as education for the trainer and for the client experience. Difference between group session versus personal training versus, versus like a small group. Yeah. What's the difference there? Yeah, so I think that there's a benefit to all of those scenarios. Obviously for, for people that are looking to really make some changes and want the, all the, the trainers focus on them, personal one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. right? That's the way to go. Um, it's a little bit more pricey, right, obviously, but um, the group or the small group, you know, two or three, you know, people that want to work out together, oftentimes it's, you know, girls, ladies, women wanting to work out together, they're supporting each other, you know, goals are similar, you know, then that's great. They're all holding each other accountable. It defrays the cost. You're going to get a lot more than if you're in, you know, a group exercise class, mm -hmm. right? And corrections and attention, but not as much as that one-on-one. -on -one. So I think that there's benefits to all of it for sure. You could go to, you know, a body toning class or a weight training class at a YMCA or a gym or wherever, and and get the workout in and, and get a nice variety of exercise. And I think that's great. If the people said, "Man, I wish I didn't have to work out and go to a class," I said, "Why not?" They offer variety, it's the energy, it's the group, it's social. Be grateful that you have classes that you can go to. Mm -hmm. And you're going, so to me that's a win-win. So I, it, yeah, there's so definitely- For general fitness goals, a class might be awesome because it's, it's price effective as well as the energy and its variety and right. like accountability. But then if you need more attention, if there's something is pulling, aching, hurting, or you have very specific goals or recovering from surgery, whatever it might be, right. more personal attention is more important because in a group class, you're not gonna get it. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, a lot of physical therapists and physical therapy is only going to take you so far post-surgery. So personal trainers are really that extension, too, of uh, the medical field. And At I, least it should be. They should be. Yeah, for sure. I see them as that and the potential to do for them to be that way, for sure. What as far as from the trainer's perspective? Is that the same thing? You just get your certificate and you, you teach group classes for 20, 30 people or do one-on-one? -on -one? Can you do both immediately or is there a difference between teaching styles? Or? Yeah, so obviously when you're one-on-one, -on -one, the cueing and teaching is a lot easier to do corrections. And so while it's important to know cueing, it's not as important when you're doing the one-on-one -on -one because you can make those corrections. Um, group is group and then the dynamics of teaching a group are, are completely different than teaching one-on-one. -on -one. So, um, you know, how to give cueing and, and directive, directives to everybody, how do you, make corrections in a group setting. I think it takes a lot as far as having a specific personality to teach very effective group classes. You oh, have yes. to be super outgoing, a little obnoxious sometimes. <laughs> it's definitely a different different dynamic there. Yeah, for sure. And I've, I've, had a, I've had students that have come through the program and they're like, I'm a personal trainer because I don't want to teach group exercise. Don't ask me to teach group. I don't want to get up in front of a large group of people and teach. And that's some of the reasons too why people like prefer personal training from the trainer perspective is because they are maybe a little bit more introverted. They like the one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. That's where they really thrive and it's I better. think that is awesome and I think that is already a win. When you know your strengths and weaknesses, when you know what you want, that's already a win. Yes. There's nothing wrong about it. Right. Who, who needs a personal trainer? Everybody needs a personal trainer. <laughs> In my whole plan. At, at, at different points in life, for sure. I think that, that they can be, you know, it's just like I think everybody needs a therapist every now and again. Like when you want to work on something, maybe you're, you're tired and bored with your workouts. I'm going to work with a trainer. They're going to have new ideas, you know, have you do some things. Maybe they, they're noticing some things that you didn't notice because we, you know, can zone out when we do our own workouts. Um, I think that everybody can benefit from a trainer for sure. I think that's a good wording. Everyone could benefit from one. 
Um, who needs one? People that are that are wanting to achieve specific goals. Again, if they're if they 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 have injuries, they've got some chronic stuff going on. Um, they're they're not able to get over humps of you know their weight changes that they're trying to do. They want to add more you know muscle mass to their body. Um, those are people that would benefit from a personal trainer. I know that I have a lot of clients that they know what to do. They know what the everything in the gym. They know how to kind of get a good workout or design a workout program. They still come because it's not always about knowing the exercise. It's about pushing. It's about accountability. It's about doing something that you wouldn't make yourself do. Right. Getting a little bit out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Even professional athletes that have been doing this for years, decades, they have gold medals. Yep. They still have a coach and there's a reason for that. Right, absolutely. So do you do you have to have a personal trainer? No, but like you said, everyone could benefit from one. Absolutely. Okay, so where do you find or how do you find a great trainer? Where do you start? If like you listen to this podcast and like, ooh, I should hire one. How do you go about it? Yeah, so a couple different ways. One, obviously I think is really good is word of mouth, asking friends if they have trainers. Um, the other way is we mentioned, you know, ACE, American Council on Exercise. There are national certifying bodies that have directories that, that personal trainers can list themselves on. So I know that you're through ACE. Mm -hmm. um, they can find them that way as well. And then you know that they're certified. So if you go to the nationally certified um, organization. Would you be able to list a few so people know sure. what to look for? Yeah, the um, American College of Sports Medicine, um, the NSCA. So for people that they focus more on strength and conditioning, so the National Strength and Conditioning Association, um, NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine, uh, NCSF, National Council of Strength and Fitness. Yeah, those are, and, and we mentioned ACE. Um, those are probably like your top five that you will see in the area. Nationally accredited means that they have um, withstood the rigors of what their training programs are and what the requirements are for training and then also for testing, for examination. It nationally certified, very important because uh, the average person might not know. There are certifications that you can take in an hour and be done. Look, you can literally Google an hour long certification and they gave you like a little printout PDF letter of completion. It's not nationally certified. Right. And then Google, you know, personal trainers in my area and people will pop up. I'm sure if I were to Google it here, you would pop up in yeah. my Google search. Um, and then, right, then looking at the reviews, you know, what are people saying? What's, you know, what, just like if you were going to, you know, buy a new refrigerator, like what would you do to research mm -hmm. buying a new refrigerator? It's really it's very similar. What's the track record? How long, you know, all that good stuff. So for, for, for people that listen to that and want to become a personal trainer, maybe, um, where, where can they find you and what's the college you teach at? Yeah, so I teach at Cuyahoga Community College at the Western Campus in Parma. And we have um, a campus on the east side as well that offers our program. And so we have a two-year associate degree program where you take all kinds of classes, you get all kinds of hands-on experience to, um, to be in this field. And we also have, you mentioned, you know, cert certificate and certifications and then licensing. There's all these different types of credentials that people can have. So not only can they get a two-year degree from us, they can also then be eligible to sit for the national certification mm -hmm. and have, again, the, the hands-on. We have a certificate program, too, which is just a one-semester um, type of a class that we've condensed mm -hmm. where they get some of the basics, you know, teaching exercise techniques, a coaching class, 
um, our assessment and programming classes that so if you want some nitty-gritty maybe you're already in the field you've you've got some we, we oftentimes do get people that come through our program we actually have a, a certification already mm -hmm. but they want the knowledge in the background they want the more hands-on experience and they and again just the more the book stuff too. Awesome. I'll link all that information in the description of the audio podcast as well as the video podcast on YouTube. And guys, if you want more health, fitness, mindset, tips, advice from professionals, from me, well, a professional too. <laughs> but um, yeah, then subscribe to the channel or follow the podcast. Christine, thank you so much for being here. I hope you guys know now how to find a good trainer, know if your trainer is good, or just get an idea if you want to be in this industry, if you're thinking about being a trainer. Um, guys, stay sore. Have a great day. Christine, thank you. Thanks, Bo. Stay sore.